As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? At the core of nature and creation, there is longing. Longing. Searching for who God truly is seems to be a built-in question and concern for us human beings. And what we make of God's identity is directly related to how we see the world. Notice I did not say our understanding of God determines the way we see the world. That could be a chicken or egg question. Some would argue that how you see God affects how you see the world. While others could argue that how you see and experience the world affects how you see or don't see God. For my own way of thinking, it's not an either-or question. Both, to different degrees, are operative. How my father treated me affects the way I see God. Since one of the identities given to me as a young boy was, was God as father... My father embodied unconditional love. Hence, hence, I know a God of unconditional love. Yet I know people whose fathers were quite different. Harsh, critical, and heavy with punishment. Or absent altogether. Needless to say, their view of God is anything but that of being like their father. And so in the parable of the prodigal son, folks who've not had a very good experience with an earthly father tend to focus more on the guilt of the prodigal son than on the unconditional love of the father. For some people, as in the movie Annie Hall, life is divided into the horrible and the miserable. A particular perspective on life can give us energy or be like a a sickness unto death. I wish there were time and occasion for all of us to share our worldviews. I suspect we would all be enriched. Some of the worldviews I run into in others, well, quite frankly, I struggle with them. Some people act as though they believe God has the same skin color as they do. At least that's what their worldview reflects. And with yet another hate crime this past week, the shooting in Buffalo, New York, I feel compelled to say that white supremacy is a sin. And replacement theory is abhorrent, adding fuel 
to the fire of white supremacy and engendering hatred and violence. And those who espouse it are responsible. Words matter. What people say, be it on television, in Congress, in state houses, or right here in our own community, matters. And we need to speak up and not be silent and condoned. That is, if we, if we believe what we say we believe, and that is that we are all God's children. All of us, equally loved by God. So how we see God and how we see the world, these things matter. They really do. Now some people see God as being on a throne, ruling with kingly might and authority, and they see God as being in control of everything. Some people view God as a male. And our language has conditioned that for a long, long time, to see God as as a male. My childhood image was of an old man with a gray flowing beard and white robes sitting on a throne. I'm glad that I have moved on from that viewpoint. Some people see God as a cop, watching every move and nailing people when they sin. Some people, like Thomas Jefferson, see God as a master clockmaker. God made the clock, wound it up, and then just stepped back and watched it wind down. Detached. Uninvolved. Others still are literalists who believe in a six-day Solar day creation of the universe less than 10,000 years ago. There's some pretty smart people who still believe that. Okay, that's a perspective. They are content from a faith stance to live with a first century worldview. Never mind that they take for granted all the physical benefits of modern science and technology. Well, some people have a a very rigid worldview. And as far as they are concerned, it's either their way or no way. All of the viewpoints I've mentioned are limited. Actually, all worldviews are limited because they are perceived by human beings who are creatures of the creation. Perhaps Snoopy, sitting up on his doghouse, captures it well. He says, boy, when when I'm up here, I can see for miles. I can see the entire continent. I can see the whole world. I can see clear over to the next yard. (laughs) The reality is that no matter how many viewpoints I consider and expose myself to, what and how I see are highly subjective and personal. And I can only see with my eyes, my lenses, and my 
filters. And I can only know with, with my brain and my heart, my neurons, cells, and memory banks are unique to me, as yours are to you. The more self-aware we are of our limitations and humanness, the more we can potentially take off our blinders, which keep us seeing with tunnel vision. I remember way back, almost a lifetime ago, to driver's training when I was about 15 years old. But I've never got forgotten how they taught us to look when we're driving. We're not to look just at the car right in front of us. The whole point is to keep our, our eyes up a bit and to try to take in as much peripheral vision as we can to see the wider viewpoint. Isn't that our task as well when it comes to our faith? Looking up, broadening our viewpoint is attempting to get our perspective as close to God's as possible. But that's the trick. How do we know if our way of seeing is getting closer to God's? After all, that's next to impossible. Here, verse 7 of our psalm text that Grace read for us earlier. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your torrents. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. You ever been in the surf where you just feel overwhelmed by the surge of the water? Deep calls to deep. What a wonderful image that is. For me, that points to the O being overwhelmed by the depths and mysteries of life. Such that the depths in me is reaching out to the depths in you and all around. Deep calls to deep. Our worldview is limited and there is a great deal we do not see. But the more we can open ourselves to what we don't see and understand, the more we participate in the mystery of this world around us. Here's how Conrad Adenauer put it. We all live under the same sky, but we don't have the same horizon. We don't have the same horizon. In your worldview, does God truly care? Does God really care? Or is the universe indifferent to your existence? Or are you a friend of the world? Or is the world hostile and your enemy? To date, pain and suffering have always been part of human life. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. You see, 
tears, tears can be the connecting point of the worldview and hope of the psalmist and the vision of our other text from Revelation that Joe read for us. Tears. When Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God, inference, is not on a throne. The home of God is with mortals. God will dwell with them as their God. They will be God's people and God will be with them. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Do you see how the throne language has to be unpacked? The true beauty of this worldview recognizes that God isn't just up on a throne, but that God dwells with us. That's the meaning of the incarnation. God isn't this distant, uncaring, detached God. God is vulnerable. God cares about our pain and our tears. In Christ, who came to live with us, we meet a God of compassion and love. A new worldview helps us see beyond present darkness to the faith truth that death is not the final word. Death is not the final word. But life and more and more and more of it. There's a wonderful story about a rabbi who, who asked his students how they could tell when the night had ended and the day was on its way back. Could it be, asked one student, could it be when you can see animals in the distance and tell whether one is a sheep or a dog? No, no, answered the rabbi. Well, could it be, answered another, when you can look at a tree in the distance and tell whether it's a fig tree or a peach tree? No, said the rabbi, no, it's not. Well, then, when is it, asked his students. It is when you look on the faces of any man, woman, or child and see that she or he is your sister or brother. Because if you cannot do this, then no matter what time it is, it is still night. It is still night. Concern. Compassion. And love. The home of God is with mortals. God will dwell with them and be with them and God will wipe away every single tear from their eyes. What an image that is for the entire family of God. Not just those within our own little worldview. Are we not called as deep calls to deep 
to share in that same sense of caring, compassion, and love. God redeems, restores, and heals. And God continues to create by calling new possibilities into being. When we participate with God in redeeming creation, helping that around and within us to attain goodness, we are reaching out in compassion to that which is broken and suffering. When we help create, we are participating in the unfolding of new dimensions of existence. And friends, I want to say that that science and technology in our daily world are partners with us, along with God, all in the process, when used wisely. Science, faith, and the future. This has been our spring sermon series. And this exploration does not end just because our series ends this morning. In bringing the series to a conclusion, I want to share what for me is a very, very important thought. And it has to do with freedom. And here I'm not speaking about political freedom. It is a much more profound freedom than that. In addition to humanity being truly free, I believe the whole creation is free. And if that's true, then even God doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. Let me say that again. Even God doesn't know exactly what's going to happen in the future. God doesn't know exactly what species will evolve, and God did not know ahead of time what species would become extinct. God does not know what choices I'm going to make in the days and weeks to come because I don't even know. Do you know what you're going to do exactly next week? I doubt it. You may have some idea, but I doubt it. If God knew, there would be no true freedom. We would simply be acting out a previously written script. Not unlike predestination. Now, here's the distinction. God knows the potentiality of all things. So there's there's the caveat. God knows the potentiality of all things. But if we're free, if God has set the creation up to be free, then choices are going to be made and things are going to be happen that God doesn't know for sure if it's going to go this way or that way. But God doesn't know the particular outcomes of all of our choices any sooner than we do. Because if creation is truly free, then creation is also creating and a part of the ongoing growth process. God with us is making all things new. We are still being created and we share with God in that process. A process of love, healing, and making all things new. My worldview allows for new realities to be created by God as the unfolding of this universe continues.
But if you want to keep God locked up in the Bible with only a first century worldview and with no new revelation to break forth since the Bible was written, you are certainly free to choose that. That's the point. We all have freedom. As for me, I believe in a God of grace. A God who is still redeeming creation and still even yet creating. Where even God doesn't know the particulars of what creation may produce. Now, I've given a good chunk of my worldview, but I have to tell you, my worldview keeps changing. The challenge for us in the dialogue of science and faith in the future is this question. What will our worldview be? Consider your worldview this morning. It is more important than you might think. Now, I admit it's hard to articulate because I haven't been able to express as fully as I understand my own. But the choices you make based on your world view are critical to how you live your life and how you align yourself with God's will. All in the context of freedom. It all matters, friends. It all matters. Our choices, our words, our behaviors, it all matters. Because we are tied to each other. And we are, at least in my worldview, all children of God equally loved by God, therefore, to care for one another as those children. So, what will our worldview be? Amen.